Welcome to the Kelly Patrick Show. Thank you so much for tuning in. In today's episode, I am joined by Brett Cook out of Texas and Brian Fox out of Kentucky. Both Brett and Brian are supporters of the Libertarian Party Mises Caucus. So these aren't, this isn't like a a couple guys who have entirely different opinions about a lot of things. Um, but it is a fascinating episode, and uh, I think it's a good type of, of talk to have and to document and to kind of uh, be open to going back and forth with these types of ideas. So I really appreciate Brett Cook and Brian Fox for joining me uh, today. If you're a fan of The Kelly Patrick Show, I ask that you please send some referrals the way of my sponsors. The title sponsor of the show is Louisville Combat Academy, located at 7908 Beulah Church Road, Louisville, Kentucky, 40228. They have a great MMA program, but also, even if you aren't planning on fighting in the cage, they have a great jiu-jitsu program for adults, female-friendly classes, and a great kids program also. Check out Louisville Combat Academy. Heidi Solars Coots. Heidi is a licensed clinical social worker and licensed clinical alcohol and drug counselor, specializing in treating anxiety, depression, trauma, and addiction with a mindful and holistic approach. Heidi is actually my mother, and I can attest she is a saint. Call her at 502-457-1823. Virtual and telephonic appointments are available anywhere in the United States. Veercast Digital Media. Veercast Digital Media at veercast.com. Matt McCarthy runs Veercast, and he is also the producer for The Kelly Patrick Show. They do video production, aerial drone photography, web design, and podcast production. Contact them at info at veercast.com to start your own video show or podcast. Also, my health insurance practice, Benefits Analysis Corporation. Based in Troy, Ohio, I work from my Louisville, Kentucky office. I can help anyone in the United States with their health insurance needs. I'm an independent broker for health insurance solutions for individuals, families, Medicare-eligible individuals, and also groups. I can also write life insurance, and long-term care. If you want to support the podcast, please send me some referrals. 502-386-0978. Welcome to the Kelly Patrick Show. Thank you so much for tuning in. In today's episode, I am joined uh, courtesy of the Louisville Combat Academy Roadcaster Line. I'm joined by two guests. We have out of Dallas, Texas, we have Brett Cook. Brett, how are you today? Doing well, thank you, sir. Hope you're doing well. Doing very well. Really appreciate you joining me. And we also have returning guest out of Louisville, Kentucky. Brian Fox is on the line with us. Brian, how are you today? Raise the roof. <laughs> Just kidding. That's the I'm spirit. Back, baby. That's the spirit. I like the enthusiasm. <laughs> I love it. Uh, the premise for today's episode is um, it sounds like you two had a little bit of an exchange online. Um, if it's all right, Brian, if you could help to introduce kind of what the premise of the show today will be. And Correct. of course, Brett, you can you know help to chime in and fill in the gaps where, where Brian sure. may be a little off from your interpretation. Would be happy to. So I shared a post or a tweet actually from Aaron McIntyre from Twitter where he says libertarianism is as wrong about human nature as communism, but at least communists understand power. And I, my reply was, remember how you once had power, you lost power, and then you got butt fucked by it. 
and I said that uh, I guess um, my argument is and kind of my thesis about liberty and response is power is a great idea as long as you're in charge of it. But when you're no longer in charge, it's used against you and then it sucks. And so therefore, yep. the whole purpose of liberty is for that nobody to have the monopoly on power. So uh, the new right, which uh, Arne McIntyre is a part of, along with Jesse Kelly and many other people, they want to use state power to punish the communists and to sort of implement their version of a, you know, of their version of society of, you know, I guess, you know, an American society. And as a libertarian, I strongly disagree with that because as we've seen with the Patriot Act and so many other you know, legislations and laws throughout the years, laws do more to harm people than they do to help people. And there's no such thing as power for good because power is always going to be used against you in some way or another. And I would say even furthermore, just to put a cherry on top, my contention with people who say they're willing to gamble with the prospect of power being used against them or that they don't really care, they're willing to have that fight, is what is your plan to keep that power out of the hands? Because even if you th still think that it's morally or principally appropriate, let's just say that you think it's the right thing to do, that you don't have any uh, concern about that, there's no moral compunction on your part, you still have to wrestle with the idea that eventually when you're no longer in power, the other people are going to have it and they're going to use that against you and you don't have any way to stop it. So it's like strategically speaking, it's just very impractical, even if you believe that it's morally okay. So that's where I'm coming from. Yeah. Makes sense. So, yeah, so I'll, I'll give sort of just a, the general contours of where I'm at, just to be very clear up front. I am by no means, uh, by no means consider myself a part of the new right. So everything Brian just said, like preaching to the choir, uh, all rings true to me. I'm you know, died in the wool libertarian. So just for a little context, what I've sort of seen over the past, you know, few years or so is some of these, these people like Arne McIntyre, Monona's, um, uh, Thoe Bishop, several others, of course, sort of moving in that direction to greater or lesser degree, right? So um, I'm, what I, as, as far as my position is concerned, at least at this point, I would say that I'm sort of in between. Like I'm very sympathetic to sort of what those, those people are speaking to because, and, and I'll get into sort of, again, the general outline of my thought process, but the bottom line is whatever we've been doing hasn't been working, right? Our, our theory is amazing as libertarians. It's beautiful. It's logically immaculate, in my opinion, of course. I think that because I'm a libertarian, but, and I guess that's a good segue. So the way that I've sort of conceived of it, there's, there's like three levels to it, right? So there's like, and I think you'll agree with me on the first and second levels. The first level is sort of like the foundation which is there's sort of like a spectrum from like pure theory to pure. Some people in the, that movement call it praxis or just a practical application in the real world, how we actually get there. Right. 
And so every, everything from, you know, pure abstracts, you know, self-ownership, private property rights, non-aggression principle, you know, supply and demand charts, et cetera, um, to like the total end, other end of the spectrum of praxis, which is like, how exactly do we sequence the transition to liberty? Whose doors should be, we be knocking on? What, where should our money be going, et cetera, right? And, and everything in between. So I think you agree with that, I assume? Yeah, for the most part. Um, I will say, and this is something that I've kind of uh, wrestled with a little bit, it kind of goes with the whole idea of theory versus practical application and then what you stated from the very start of what works. Um, I think the caveat that I would add to that is that, um, at least, and this is from my perspective, I'm not speaking in a general perspective for everybody. This is just the way that I see things. I don't think any man-made philosophy will ever work. Um, I'm a Christian. Um, and from my personal view of how I see the world, um, I think there was one way in which the world was intended to be. And then that world was ruined. And so from everything else from that point forward has been man trying to live in a broken world. And, um, and again, that's just from my perspective. Um, I don't think there's ever going to be an ideology or a methodology by which man will ever live in which all the answers and equations are solved. And if we can just get 100% buy-in, everything's going to work out just peachy. I don't think that's going to be true at all. Um, And it doesn't even really, and it's not even to say that libertarianism doesn't, you know, isn't awesome. It just means that it doesn't solve all the answers because there's all the issues that we face are, are just, they go beyond an ideology. Um, I would, it kind of yeah. goes like this. It kind of goes to this um, works. What works? And I've always had a little quip about that. A dictator can make the trains run on time, but does that mean everything the dictator is going to do is going to be justified as long as the trains are running on time? Um, right. Just because something works doesn't mean it's just. Just because something is works doesn't mean it's preferable. Um, in my right. opinion, the society that we're facing now, where we have the radical left pretty much steamrolling culture, it is terrible, but I don't necessarily see it as an indictment of libertarianism being ineffective or just wrong. I think, if anything, it's a revelation of how useless limited government is and how the monopoly of violence or force the state has from preventing people from, you know, taking matters into their own hands when justified. So I would just say that from my personal opinion, libertarianism is the best path by which we can achieve the best possible results, but it absolutely does not. I don't presume that it will ever provide for the resolution that we want. And I don't think there will ever be a resolution. I don't, I mean, I think, and to be honest with you, I would even go so far as to say that there's little bits of truth in many ideologies. It's just how you approach it. And I would even go so far as to say that, you know, there's elements of socialism on a voluntary level that are absolutely appropriate. It's just that whenever 
socialism is applied as an ideology within the state, it's absolutely, it just becomes tyrannical instantly. Yeah. So that's kind of where I'm coming from. You know, I, I agree with all that. Um, so, I mean, well, I should say most of that, but so we're getting a little ahead of ourselves. So we'll get more into those details. I just kind of want to establish like a, a foundation sure. of things that we agree on so we can build on that. So it sounds like we agree on that. So there's obviously a categorical difference between theory and then the practical application, right? There's a spectrum there. So sounds like we agree that the second thing, which I think we probably agree on, but with each step, I think our disagreements will grow. So number two would be libertarianism is like amazing when it comes to theory, right? But in terms of um, praxis or practical application, like um, realizing it in the real world, um, we are not so good. We could use some work on that. What, and can you uh, clar- clarify, like, um, I guess I'm just wondering as far as, can you maybe either give an example or kind of like maybe uh, expand upon that a little bit? Yeah, so I'll, I'll get there. But like, I mean, I, I think it's just evident from the world that we're in right now, especially over the past few years with COVID encroaching authoritarianism from every okay. conceivable angle, that if, if libertarianism uh, was effective, then we wouldn't be in the position we're in. Well, I guess my... In, in terms of... I, I guess my contention with that would be, and I guess this could be more of a question than anything else. Um, I, and this is actually something that came up recently in another Twitter spat where libertarianism was actually blamed for a lot of the problems that we're having now. And I guess to what you're, and I'm not saying that's what you're claiming. Um, but I guess from what you are saying, I'm just wondering how would liber- how would you say that libertarianism has failed or has not done what it should do or we would want it to do? Because from my perspective, from my understanding, libertarianism really hasn't even truly been tried yet. We've not had a truly free society. Yeah, yeah. Brett, it's, it did yeah. sound like you kind, you kind of suggested that at least a little bit, right? That liber- if libertarianism was mm-hmm. so great, we wouldn't have had the problems. No, no, no. So, yeah, I, I will take the opportunity to clarify that. So I could definitely see how that could be misunderstood. That's my fault. So I'm not talking about libertarianism as a philosophy. I'm talking about the fact that if actually achieving libertarianism, we all agree that that's where we want to get um, to that end point. Libertarianism isn't as good as other ideologies at actually, um, you know, gaining traction in the real world to, to get closer to its gold, as evidenced by the fact that we've been getting curb stomped for the past I see. 100 plus so years. If it was so great, then people would have been supporting it. They would have had success in elections, no. and therefore libertarianism no. would have been able to impact it. Is that what you mean? No. So Sorry. libertarianism as a philosophy is, is fine. What I'm only, I'm only referring to, so like, let's put it this way. Um, for lack of a better analogy, like, um, game plan versus execution in football, right? You could have the best game plan of all time, but if, you're, if you, your players suck at executing on the field, um, it, it, you're not going to win the okay, game. Okay, right? yeah, now I'm tracking. Um, so the, so the ability to implement policy from a libertarian perspective correct. has been very weak, if not an utter failure. Yes, 
Yeah, okay. and w- that and we now could I'm use. Tracking. Now I'm tracking. And that, okay. that does make sense. Yeah. I mean, there is certainly something to that. Um, I think I, I would actually yeah. say that there's a very that there's something very agreeable and something very disagreeable on that. I think the agreeable aspect is that we've seen time and again that the the state continues to grow, that liberty continues to decrease. And that we're in a greater form of tyranny than we've ever had before. However, I would also say that, and this is something that I think other people could articulate better because this is something of a new kind of a sentiment that I'm kind of really starting to give some serious consideration is that liberty is actually starting to win in a, in a lot of ways. If you really consider the fact of where we came from versus where we are while we are under the greatest empire that the world has ever seen, and while we are living in less freedom than when we were founded, it could also be argued that we're seeing lots of changes and lots of improvements in our society that are largely a result of the ideas of freedom and liberty. Um, I think sometimes it's important to differentiate between what the state does versus what the people do. Um, I think people are, I think there's a argument to be made that maybe people in general are usually looking for something better and uh, to improve their situation. And then there's always the state that's always looking to consolidate power and take away Liberty. So I think those two can be true at the same time. I think you can have a state that is ever consuming power while at the same time, the people are still trying to pursue their hopes and dreams and desires and trying to, you know, improve their society as much as possible. So I think they can be true at the same time. Yeah, no, there's some nuance there. Like there are dimensions of liberty, right? So even as the state power is growing exponentially, there's still um, ways that human beings get around it, whether it's Bitcoin or, peer-to-peer networks, um, you know, Uber basically totally obliterated the, uh, the taxi monopolies, right? right? So there are dimensions on which we are getting freer in a lot of ways, obviously wealthier, et cetera. But if we're judging the success of libertarian, libertarianism specifically, like trying to achieve that end goal as reducing the state monopoly of violence, and obviously we have been yeah. getting crushed. <laughs> Yeah, I would. Okay. Uh, I so, think I would actually. Um, I would agree with that. I would disagree with a small caveat. I don't think it's because libertarianism necessarily doesn't isn't a good methodology, or that its people are good. I think it's just because, and speaking from my experience, liberty as an ideology has not is not really is not taught at all, and has not been taught it's kind of a counterculture movement in many ways, even though we were founded on the principles of freedom. um, It could be argued that statism as a whole in general has grown and proliferated by far more so than the ideas of Liberty. I mean, even conservatives or some people on the left who consider themselves to like value some essence of personal choice, um, they might like the idea of personal liberty in some respects, whether it's guns, the freedom of choose, you know, substances, migration, music, culture, things like that. Um, 
I think that the <clears throat> issue is that the state has continued to grow the propaganda machine, you know, with all their mechanisms within law enforcement, education, you know, universities, uh, media, the ruling class is very much connected in that respect and pushing for this idea of a more powerful, more benevolent government, which is definitely more intriguing because they're trying to sell you both at the same time. Here's a government that's going to provide for this utopia of a lifestyle that you've always wanted. All it's going to cost you is just a little bit of compliance, right? And uh, right. I would say that, uh, you know, we're still the same people that were founded on liberty. We've just kind of given it up because we're like, okay, everything is okay. We're safe now. We have a government of checks and balances. We don't have to worry about the king or the empire coming in and making our lives hell or imprisoning us or killing us. If we get out of line, we have a structured, fair, and just society. And we've kind of yep. lulled ourselves or even tricked ourselves into believing that crap when it's pretty much the exact opposite. You know, there might have been a time yep. where certain systems, certain municipalities had a more genuine intention in their ability to carry out law and order in a just society. But let's just face it, it's corrupt beyond repair, and it's nothing like what it was ever intended to be. So even with the best yep. of intentions, it's gone to complete shit. Um, yep. Excuse me for a moment. I just want to say uh, you made the comment about Florida, and I'm going to guess if I'm my spidey senses are working properly, your underlying sentiment behind that comment was to suggest that... Um, what comment about Florida? Sorry, was it mentioned that, today? So, that was the one that was in the in the uh, caption that I shared where I, where he so where he you, gave his for the listeners. Could you clarify what that comment was? Um, I'll have to read it again. It is what Brett Cook said was. I actually think there's a nuanced debate to be had here. See Florida, etc. Um, and then of course he says the devil's in the details. Um, would you like to expand upon that, Brett? If, uh, if yeah, uh, and yeah, absolutely. I'll, so I'll get back to that in just a moment. I just wanted to knock out these these bullet points real quick. I, I wasn't expecting to, you know, get too into the weeds on these. I was just oh, you're good. expecting to knock good. these out and then We're build on it. Chat. We're just having a chat. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. No worries. So, but yeah, I mean, I, I think we, again, without getting derailed too much, I think we would agree that libertarian philosophy, amazing, beautiful in terms of actually getting it done. Maybe some, we could use some work on that. end. I think we, we can all agree on that. And so then, the number three, which is where I think we'll probably part ways, is that part of the praxis or, you know, applying it to the real world, we should at least be open to the idea of wielding state power to do that. And I, and I, I think that's you're going to probably... You to dive in. That's where I want you to dive Yeah, in. exactly. So that, that sounds like that's pretty much the, the crux of the, the disagreement sure. here. So that's a good segue to clarify my comments regarding Florida. So I'm sure your spidey senses are right. Um, that, <laughs> and I've, I've done some reconnaissance. I think we're all on the same page uh, regarding the, the COVID regime and how just insane and tyrannical that was. So um, Governor DeSantis has, you know, been taking steps imperfect as they may have been to push back on that. Uh, one of which, I mean, there's, there's many, but the one that I, the example that I like to use is basically banning 
um, vaccine passports, right? And that there actually was a, a pretty lively debate in the libertarian community because it was ostensibly being applied to nominally private corporations, but these corporations, many of which were crony corporations and hawked to the government, they were um, pressured in, in many ways by the government, taking orders from the CDC, et cetera, et cetera, where it wasn't really uh, practical to try to figure out to what extent this was a, a voluntary private policy versus a government imposed policy. And there was the concern that it was an exigency. There was the immediacy of the threat to real lives in real time necessitated, in my opinion, and justified DeSantis taking action to just wholesale ban them. Um, so I don't know if that's what you thought I was referring to, but what are your thoughts on that one? So, yeah, and I would even actually go uh, probably take that a step further and say that a lot of his actions towards education have also been highlighted as, you know, prime examples as to why yep. conservatives want to use power for just reasons. <clears throat> and I guess with all that, I would say respond, none of this from the COVID regime or even the woke regime would even be possible without first the state power that was granted to them in the first place by conservatives. Um, everything that happened through COVID, everything that happened through the lockdowns, everything that happened even after January 6th, where the state, the deep state turned against conservatives, where uh, ideology trumped, um, all of this is only enabled by the system which conservatives largely built. Um, my concern is not so much that it's not, you know, appropriate to push back against the vaccine passports and woke ideology it's how you do it and the reason why i say that is because the tools and methods were that DeSantis is using today will no doubt be flipped as soon as there's a democrat governor and a democrat legislature so to yeah. me it's like great God. celebrate great celebrate your victory of your guy and your team winning and doing the right thing cool absolutely appreciate that problem just like with the patriot act in 2002 we thought we were fighting the bad guys by doing that by giving our people the resources to fight the bad guys well who ended up becoming the bad guys we did so the same way yeah, so go ahead. Be, yeah sorry i just just to be clear do you you oppose that policy by DeSantis on those grounds um i don't know the details and what he did or how he did but all i will say is this if he did anything that gave the state power to implement, impose, block, or whatever, then I am absolutely confident that that same power will be justified to not only reverse it, but then to be used against conservatives in other ways. So if it was just simply a well, mandate where it was a strike of the pen where he said, I'm not going to allow this to happen and we're just not going to participate, then cool. Then I don't see that as being inherently evil because it's not power being forced it's just power to basically say we're going to stop something from happening as opposed to telling you here's how we're going to not let it happen at all or you know just well, i guess the point that i'm trying to make is it's one thing to stop something but it's another thing to use force in such a manner in which that can be reapplied elsewhere so yeah this is this is definitely where i think we disagree and where there's maybe an opportunity to 
maybe move in each other's direction. So at the, uh, at the risk of, you know, overusing analogies, the, so if we're using another analogy, like, um, like the pure theory of like, like math is just like pure logic. Right. Um, but then there's this whole spectrum where it goes from pure logic to like applied mathematics, physics, engineering, and then all the way from there to like the actual, you know, build, uh, construction of a building where you're actually, you, there's a guy nailing a nail into a right. two by four. Right. So what happens, the further you get away from the theory, the closer you get to the actual practical application of the theory, um, the more things get messy, right? Um, you have to account for whether you have to, the, the building material that you use is going to be based on the, the uh, resources of, whoever, whatever organization is building the building, the needs of can be occupying it, the weather dynamics of that location, et cetera, et cetera. Maybe you run into some issues, you have to cut some corners, take, whatever it is, right? Things get messy. It's, I think it's the, exactly the same thing when we're looking at politics, real politics, right? So I, I hear everything you're saying and you're right in theory, but like, in for example, you said, oh, you know, if conservatives or whoever hadn't, given this power to state and, and trace the line back as, as far as you want to go, then we wouldn't be here where we are now. And that's true. But the fact is we are here now. Right. And so it, it, things get very messy. Like for example, like Twitter files, I'm not sure to what degree you guys would fall on that, but like, I don't know what, where you guys are at on like the, Oh, it's a private company bro argument, but like they just came out, uh, with the information that like Twitter's uh, executives and all these people that were running, were like literally FBI spooks running that place. And they were taking direct marching orders from uh, government to censor political dissidents. Yeah. I have a feeling you and Brian have the same thoughts on the Twitter files. Yes. Right, Brian. Right. Correct. And I would even go so far as to say that I think the Twitter files have revealed that it wasn't really truly acting as a private company. In fact, at all. Right. But that, and that's exactly my point that the lines get super blurry, right? There's no like bright line between government and private, right? When you have these incestuous relationships, it, it gets messy, right? So that's, that's point number one, it's inherently going to be a messy process when you're looking at the practical application. And then number two, and I think this is probably the bigger point is that I don't think these lunatics, need any excuse to uh, continue their authoritarian march through all the institutions. Like the, the idea uh, that we're setting a precedent by using state power that uh, no, I wouldn't actually they're going to use. That, that's actually, not, I, um, just to clarify, I'm not okay. worried about precedent at all. I'm more worried about giving them the tools. Um, I don't really care if politician A behaves badly and says, you know, I want to promote this or I want to try to use, you know, I'm worried about what powers of the state are they using or creating to get what they want or to do what they want. That's what I'm concerned about. Um, and that's where I'm getting at is because that's why I cited the Patriot Act. Um, the the yeah. evil thing about the Patriot Act in the same way that I'm talking, I don't know enough about the Sanchez and what he did in Florida, but like say for instance, if he merely advocated against these 
behaviors and actions by the woke ideology, by the universities. Um, if he merely spoke out against mm -hmm. the companies pushing for the vaccines and the passports and saying, hey, look, there will be no participation on the part of our state or the state of Florida to implement this. And we will do everything we can to impede that in terms of we will not cooperate and we will make life miserable for you guys. I would absolutely be 100% in favor of that. And if even it got to the point where he's like, we're going to use the power of public support and boycotts to ruin these companies and these people that are behaving this way, that's absolutely 100% in keeping with liberty philosophy. And what you've been saying, you said something that really caught my ear that I think is a very good point about the messiness of the theory getting into the real world. I 100% agree with that. And there's something to be said about that, which is what I say for when I'm trying to explain economics to people about free markets is free markets will inevitably lead to pain and suffering for many people. But the problem is there's a right way and a wrong way to do things. And the right way is to let the chips fall where they may. Um, sure. I would say that in the same respect, when it comes to battling evil people in terms of um, how they're trying to do things. It's not so much setting a bad precedent. I just don't want to give them tools that can be used against us. I'm not, I have well, no problem with using peaceful measures, meaning advocacy and market solutions to, uh, get the, the, you know, to get pressure to build resistance. But as soon as you use tools of force, that's where we're going to part ways. And that's why I cited the Patriot because it was a tool of force. It wasn't merely advocacy okay. or public support. So, well, just to be clear. So DeSantis, his, the Billy sign banned COVID passports across the board. Okay. So. Is there, um, can you foresee of anything? Do you know enough about the details about what he did that say that same sort of, and I don't know if it was legislation or an executive order could also be flipped to say, okay, hey, by the way, churches, um, if you're going to engage in a certain practice or, or espouse a certain point of view, you're going to have to run it by us for approval or you're going to have to limit it as to who can hear that or whether you have, I mean, that's what I'm wondering is, is there something about yep. the way that they did that that you can foresee or was it strictly just like a stroke of the pen that's saying we're not going to come, we're not going to cooperate, we're not going to be involved? Because there's a big difference, in my opinion, between no. saying we're simply not going to take part, meaning the, the entire state and all its municipalities and resources, versus we're going to prohibit you from doing no. anything with anybody else. Yeah, no, it, he just made it straight up illegal for COVID passports. Uh, so made COVID passports I, illegal in Florida. So. Yeah. And off the top of my head, I don't necessarily know that there's anything potentially harmful in the future for that. That could be entirely benign. And if that really is just another way of him saying the state of Florida will not participate in any way, then, yeah, I think that's actually appropriate. I have no problem with that. Okay. So, I mean, it sounds like we're, we're maybe not as far apart as we may have thought. But, I mean, just to be clear, so he's – I wouldn't say that it's it's – a lack of action or refusing to participate. He's actively using the power of the Florida government to shield its citizens from the, the freight train of COVID passports that were barreling down on the so entire country. Okay. Right. 
let's try to take it a step further. Like say, for instance, here in Kentucky, they did uh, COVID. They did the um, the the vax mandates, and they were pushing for them. So, my issue with uh, so I think it was the legislature trying to block the governor from the mandates, and the argument was. Okay, well, that's just the state intervening with force to prevent companies from doing what they want to do. And I would actually agree. Mm -hmm. Companies should be able to do what they want to do. And I'd even argue that the only reason why they're doing it is because there was an incentive by the government for them to do it. If you take away that incentive, they're no longer going to do it. And you don't have to worry about using force. On the other hand, if if you implement legislation that tells them, you can't do this, then guess what you've just done? You've given the next legislation, which may not be your people, to say, oh, now we're going to do the same thing, but for a cause that we approve of. Right. But my, my point is they're going to do that anyway, right? No, so well, I'm I just, think in a different... No, giving them the tools. So I'm saying the tools. I'm not worried about the advocacy. I'm saying the tools. So, Brian, you're, you're, you're saying going- that basically the, the, the Patriot Act was passed by right. Republicans... And then it was literally—it's literally now being used against Republicans. So even just that exact example is what you're trying yes. to avoid, Brian. Yeah. If you no. if you write a policy that basically says no institution shall require any of its employees to get a vaccine, cool. We can probably agree that sounds like a really good idea. Now turn the around that around and say we now implement a policy that none of these institutions shall. You know, nobody will remain employed that is a known gun owner that has not registered their guns. That if you employ gun owners who have not registered their guns, we're not going to do business with you. Do you see how? I mean, that's a kind of maybe a crude example, but I think it actually works. Do you see how I'm saying? To be clear, like this is, yeah, and this is why I say it's a highly nuanced debate. The devil's in the details, right? Like, obviously, I agree with the or disagree with the the Patriot Act. Republicans are terrible on tons of issues. Right. So, but the point, and actually I, I had this tweet from, cause there was an interesting exchange. I'm not sure if you guys caught it uh, from the other day or a couple of weeks ago between the uh, LPMC, the Libertarian Mises Caucus mm-hmm. and Aaron McIntyre. Did you guys happen to catch I, that no, exchange? I think, yeah, I think okay. I saw a little bit of that where I, yeah, actually I posted in that a few times. And honestly, that was one of those tweets where, a couple other people chimed in with check marks saying that how libertarianism is stupid and, you know, libertarians are at the kids table and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. And to be clear, like I, this is where I'm like sort of in between because I'm sympathetic to their argument and I agree in, in a lot of ways that. Wait, libertarian okay. I, okay. I just want to is, jump in really quick. Cause it just came to me. Sure. I believe the comment that was made to paraphrase is, libertarians don't understand how to use power or something to that effect. Yeah, that, that was, that was, they're ineffective. They're they're either ineffective or incapable of understanding or using power to which I initially stated that was actually where one of my tweets came from. You literally got butt fucked by the Patriot Act. And I was trying to make that point that, Yes, we understand power. What the whole point is, we're trying to take power away from everybody. We don't want anyone to have power. Right. And, yeah, no, and I don't think this is the same thread, but it's, it's similar. So, um, but just to be clear, so th- I'm, I'm not fully on board with 
right, I with get that it. group because what what they do is they they in my opinion rec, uh, correctly recognize that there are limitations um, of libertarianism, like once you get down to like the the granular, messy, practical level, uh, libertarian in, in many cases starts to break down where it's not it's no longer like exactly like a libertarian question per se. Like if, for example, the government creates a commons, like your local park, right? Then the question of like whether to allow heroin addicts to shoot up by the playground, like on, on government property, that's no longer like really a libertarian question because right. the property itself. Right. Okay. So, so I would, where I, they go. No, I can get to that. Yeah, just, I think, I think Liberty does actually address a lot of that. And then that actually speaks yeah. to your point. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I don't mean to cut you off. Go ahead. Well, no, I, we could circle back to that, but I just want to make the point clear that like, and we'll agree. I, I guarantee you we'll agree. Property, private property yes. solves that issue. Yes. But, but, the reality is like in the real world um, we don't live in a purely uh, voluntarist proprietarian yeah. society. So, how, so do long we that, how do we reconcile what we want versus where we're at? Right. Right. And, and just to be clear, the point I'm making there is that they, I think their errors, they go the one extra step and they say, because libertarian libertarianism has limitations in certain these gray areas that invalidates libertarianism as a philosophy. Right. That's where I'm like totally off, off the, the boat with them. Right. So, but to just real quick for tying this into that thread that I was uh, referring to, uh, Mises Gawkins was kind of clapping back at the new, these new right people saying all these, um, these criticisms of libertarianism by these people are stupid for basically the reason that we just discussed. And then later down the thread, and this is the part that I am sympathetic to, uh, our McIntyre says in real politics, so that that's like the the messy gray area of getting right. things done. In in the real world, libertarians increase the power of the state by advising their adherents to engage in unilateral political disarmament. And so I think that that's fertile ground for. I know we don't have a maybe a ton of time left, but <laughs> I think that's maybe yeah, fertile, fertile ground here, um, uh, because. Because I think that that is like the key to what they're getting at because their, their whole point is that power, like the, the analogy of like throwing the ring into the fire, like Lord of the Rings and you just destroy power that in the w real world, that doesn't happen. People wield power, even libertarians. I would agree with hundred percent. And even in a purely anarchistic voluntary society that we would support, we are still going to be imposing with force our um, conception of property rights that so other people. Right. I get that. Yeah. And I think here's what I'm hearing. And it's a combination of both what post libertarians are wanting and what the new right is talking about. So the new right is upset that libertarians have largely either enabled or allowed the militant left to steamroll its way through with like, Hey, we have good intentions. We want peace on both sides. And the milk and the communists are like, fuck that. We see that as a sign of weakness. We're coming in here and we're going to just completely mow through all your good intentions. And then on the other side, the post libertarians are like, well, these ideas sound good and I really like them in principle, but the reality is we're living in this shithole and we want our peaceful life back. And I think both of them have valid concerns and both of them are approaching it entirely wrong. And I'll tell you why really quick. 
So you keep saying this thing, uh, this you had this uh, phrase you were saying of like uh, this messy world, the real world, it gets messy. I 1,000% agree. I would even go so far as to say there's no expectation where it's not going to be messy. The messy part is do we give up our principles and basically join the fight and create something potentially worse or do we see it through and let the chips fall where they may just as we do with economics my whole the reason why i am so bought and sold on liberty despite everything that i'm seeing with the government and how the commies are taking over is because that in there's no way i can live with myself to ever justify or support a government in which force is wheeled against people who d disagree because i've seen firsthand how awful that turns out for people on my side and in general i realize this is just morally chaotic and evil so for the people on the new right that say you've allowed you've been weak to allow the commies to steamroll through well here's the problem all we've if we're even going to give like the worst case scenario of where libertarians have been for the last 50 years, there has not been a massive culture war The pretty much the conservative group, the conservative, you know, conservatives as by and large owned society up through about the mid nineties or even through the early two thousands. Um, there was never any threat of this ever happening. Um, pretty much, the right of center was largely the dominant view of America up and through the last 15 to 20 years, give or take. Um, I lived through the 90s. I understood how a more independent, open-minded point of view started to flourish in the 90s. But when you look after 9-11, the patriotism, the nationalism in the early 2000s was like just crazy boomer con level. I mean, we're just talking off the charts, America, love it or leave it, fuck yeah. Um, but then you started to hear what I would say is a lot of reasonable arguments to be made of. Maybe we need to reconsider the minorities and what they have to say that are being downtrodden apart. That's where we kind of went wrong. And that's kind of where you say the messy sort of how shall we say the disheartened post-libertarians come in? Well, we tried liberty, or at least we want to give liberty a shot, but it seems hopeless and it seems stupid and futile. Here's the problem. The whole point of liberty is so that you don't participate in evil in the first place. If you start giving into the idea of using power against others, then you're no better than the other people. The idea is well, to fight I back and to stand your ground. Can I press you a little bit on that? Because yes. uh, I, I think this is sort of a misconception that libertarianism means there's just no, it, it's pure voluntarism, voluntarism, right? And if you agree with all the, the axioms and the presuppositions that, that we do, the, you know, um, self-ownership, private property, non-aggression principle, and you agree exactly on how property is acquired, then there's no conflict. But as soon as there's any disagreement on any of those fundamental actions, then all of a sudden necessarily there's competing, um, you know, conceptions of what constitutes property, et cetera, and therefore competing rights conflicts. So 
you necessarily, as a libertarian, to realize your philosophy in, in the real world, you have to have enough confidence in your ideology and the righteousness of it to impose it on other people. Like there's no, there's no way around that. There's and no, now, of course, I, I don't yeah. think there's actually any imposition. I think so. This is one thing I've tried to explain many ways and I wouldn't say I'm the best at, but I'll make a really quick effort. Liberty only requires a sufficient empowered majority to make it work. It doesn't require a hundred percent buy-in. You can be the most stalwart militant communists within a liberty society. And as long as you're not actively trying to hurt anybody, you can pretty much do your own thing. As soon as you use force against somebody, that's when there's a problem. So it doesn't require hundred no. percent buy-in. It just requires enough of the majority to maintain it. That, that's what I, I disagree fundamentally on that because I think there are people they would consider, I mean, they literally say property is theft. Now, obviously we, we can, Talk about but what, what can they do about, what can they do about but, but what can they do about it if they if they if you're talking about a small group of people they can take it from they, you. Well, the problem is that I have a gun; I can shoot them back. Yeah, but we're losing. That's the th- that's the thing. They well, are. We're, we're they have more. We're losing because we're not. It's not. We're not losing because we're in a free society. We're losing because we have a government that prevent that limits our ability to respond. Well, exactly. They they have. I would argue at least to a degree that they have a, th- their willingness to wield power, to impose their conception of reality, their ideology on the rest of society has gotten them in the position where well, society closer reflects their ideology than ours. So I think we're, yeah, I think with a caveat, with, the, a caveat. Liber- with a caveat, just, real quick, just to okay. five seconds, just to put it there. Sure point on that. I think libertarians by refusing to, to use the power of the government are actually betraying a, a sort of a lack of confidence in their own ideology. Now, obviously there are limits. You're not going to go crazy sure, and sure, just start sure. killing people. Who disagree with you, but I think, on that. Yeah. Um, no, I, 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 I take everything you say with qualification. So don't worry about having to go too much into the weeds on that. Cause I get where I you're coming appreciate from. That. Um, I would say to this, the only reason the woke crowd is making progress is because they own the media and the institutions which enable them. That's where the real problem yeah. is. And who gave vote, that's where the power is out. Because you right. saw the difference between when the mobs for BLM were out there in the streets versus one stupid freaking riot at the Capitol where barely anybody was hurt. There was an entirely different reaction and entirely different perception. The BLM crowd didn't steamroll because they have the power in themselves. They are enabled. They are empowered. They are protected. That's by the institutions of law enforcement, which are also promoted by the media. So the media apparatus presents the argument, these are good people, leave them alone. The law enforcement stands by and doesn't do anything unless they're literally trying to kill somebody. And even then, they might just look the other way. So while they're actively looking at the conservatives to say, hey, don't you get too uppity over there while they're burning down your house? I would argue, this presents my argument, and this is where we could potentially take a rabbit hole for another conversation. I believe that libertarians as a move as a whole, as a people, as a movement and society in conjunction with conservatives 
are rightly justified at this point and have been for a while when we're ready to take action. Take that for what you will. I think yeah. there's justification. No, I, <laughs> I think there's justification for pushback at this point and has been for a while. I will say this. I first and foremost prefer peaceful resolution by absolving power. If that's not feasible, I like the first plan of action, which is where we would go towards federalism, which is where we would nullify the federal government, tell them to go pound sand and say, hey, look, at the state level, we're not going to cooperate and we're going to do things our way. If the federal government becomes a bully and says, "Uh, no, you're going to do exactly what we say or else, then I can see alliances of states getting together to nullify the federal government or if necessary, say, guess what? We're taking our marbles and going home and we're seceding. Now, there's a lot of different combinations in which all that could play out. The point is that all stems from people who value something that resembles personal liberty finally pushing back in some meaningful way other than just speech alone. Speech is fine, but I think we're beyond the point to where speech alone, because they don't care about words. And this is something I've been wrestling with in my own personal life to try to reconcile with my faith is at what point is it okay to pick up the sword and fight the empire? And I think we're kind of getting to that point where it's like, look, I would love nothing more than for peaceful freedom. If we could find a way to just abolish these lines and go our separate ways, or just at at the very least, just say, you know what? The red States nullify these federal overreach and just say, we're going to do things our way and you can take it or leave it, which is what a lot of uh, blue states have been doing for a very long time in regards to uh, drugs and immigration. So I would say that in respect to the desperation and the concern of which way forward, I think there's a very solid argument that libertarians, I think in some way have been very open about is we are justified in self-defense and self-defense means you've gone too far. You've imposed too much upon us and we are justified to respond. How and when we respond is yet to be determined, but I'm not ruling that out. And I, I would have probably sounded a lot like you a a few years ago or so, but I think after COVID, et cetera, et cetera, I think we are way past that point. I mean, I know for, for Pete, Quinona is like, he, he probably would have been in that same boat with you until COVID and that like radicalized them. And a lot of people uh, I think are at that point because at some point, like it's just, it's you, you can't let the status quo keep going. I mean, our, it, I think there's like a, a funny, uh, Oh gosh, it, like a stone toss comment where it's like these, these two guys and they're like, Oh, Oh man, I, I, I wish I could. I'm I not think what you're to, trying to get at is people but, are running short on patience. Absolutely. And then like <laughs> The comic, like, it basically, like, has, like, a gun to his head. And it's like, oh, can you believe if a if a conservative would have done this? And then it just shows them, like, getting loaded in the boxcar, right? I would say to and the people like, that are being, I think to the people that are desperate and patient, nothing ever happens as fast as we want it to. And you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. 2019, yeah. things were looking amazing. We thought we were in peak America. Customer service, the economy, everything was amazing. And then about three to four months later, it all went to shit and nobody saw it coming. We have no idea yeah, I mean, what's I, in store for us next week or even next year. Yeah. I, mean, I, I the way I see it, we've just been taking L after L after L and this is just oh, absolutely. Like the, but here's the, the natural good thing. consequence. Get this though. Yeah. 
there's millions of us who are pissed off. There's millions of us who have the ability and the desire to fight back if and when necessary. And I don't even just mean like with violence. If I'm talking just, are you willing to walk off the job for one day and protest maybe perhaps? Are you willing to maybe just show up and show some support for somebody who's trying to run a revolutionary campaign? Are you willing to support, you know, legislation and initiatives which are very radical but result in more liberty? Are we at that point where people are willing to get outside of their comfort zone and do something that they haven't done before? I think we're very close to that point. And we don't know. We always want things to happen like right now. We're the microwave generation. But we have to look at it in the broad span of where we've been and where, we, where we're going. We just don't know what's going to happen yet. But I will say this. There's like 50 million right-wing gun owners in this country. I just don't think we're going to roll over for the next generation or two. I think something's going to happen. Well, I honestly don't think we're I mean, just going to go away quietly. You might be right, but I mean, over the past few years, I mean, that really shifted my confidence. I think there's enough bread and circuses that the regime has provided to us to keep us fat and happy and sitting our asses watching. Netflix, I get it. Giving think about it this way. Give me checks. Think about it this way. Nobody, nobody would have thought 9-11 would have ever happened. I seriously yeah. doubt anyone's going to tolerate hijackers doing some bullshit like that again. COVID yeah. happened. I seriously doubt we're going to allow that to ever happen again or anything like that. We've yeah. already seen it. Well, they played their hand. They made their move. They failed. We know what's up. It's like BLM. I've just been thinking. BLM once owned America within about, about a year ago. Now, I guarantee if they try to come back again in a more broad public way, they're going to get laughed out. You think so? Absolutely. Yeah, I, I, think, I think the frog is going to continue boiling. But well, I think it's still there. It's not gonna. It's not gonna disappear. But I think that they know that they've been found out, and I don't think that they're gonna have nearly the kind of power that they. Used I hope to. so. I I fear that when it comes election time, it, BLM will we, turn into being we, such a significant thing it, again. It's kind of like think of it like this way. You know, you get tricked, you get fooled, you get caught by surprise. You don't forget that. So when they try that again, you're ready for it. I'm not saying BLM's going to just, you know, disappear. What I'm saying is they're not going to have nearly the same, you know, sway and swagger that they used to have. That if they try to march and protest in mass, we're not going to tolerate it. If they try to do lockdowns again, we're not going to tolerate it. You know, it was a very, it was a very perfect storm the way that that all happened. And it was very unfortunate. But think about it. A lot of us, you know, didn't go along with it from the very start. There were many of us who rightfully called it out. So I don't think it's entirely hopeless. I think it just showed how shitty a lot of people can be, but it also proved that we, we can rebound from it as well. Yeah. I mean, I, I might agree with you if it was like a one-time event, but BLM was terrorizing every major city in the country, virtually unabated for seven, eight months straight. Oh, it was terrible. And, it was if you try to and if you try to defend yourself, then the, the police, would crack down on you for defending yourself. Uh, Kyle Rittenhouse, who, I mean, it's one of the, it's arguably the clearest case of civilian defensive gun use ever captured on video. And right. he was this close in a jury trial to being behind bars for life. Like the fact that that even made it to trial. hundred percent agree. So, but think so, about it this way. 
Think about how many people were sympathetic and open-minded to everything that was going on in 2020 and how many people have done a complete 180 since then. That right there should give I you don't know. The, the people, the people who farted on Nancy Pelosi's desk are serving 10 years in prison. No doubt. It's not a damn thing. There's a lot to that, but, but I'm also going to tell you this. How many people really believe in a vaccine? How many people really believe in the masks and the lockdowns? How many people really believe in the power of the state anymore that the way they used to? How many people are now renounced? How many people on the new right are now renouncing the Patriot Act? So again, I mean, there is hope. I'm just saying is I think I, I, see, I see light at the end of the tunnel. I just don't know how we're going to get there. Yeah. I wish I shared your optimism. I mean, I remember w- during 2020 when the riots were going down, I'm like, oh my God, this is th- the one glimmer from this is that uh, of hope from this or light from this is that the gun control debate is over forever. I mean, there Absolutely. is roving gangs of. But do you beyond, think that's going to stop them from pushing for assault bans? That's my point. Like just now, last night, <laughs> Biden announced an assault <laughs> uh, rival ban, and all these people are like cheering it on and stuff. I'm like, holy shit! The the fact that he's even able to make that argument when we saw the there was literally every major city in the country was being terrorized for several months straight. The police explicitly refused to provide protection. If that isn't an argument against disarming civilians. I'm going to relate with you on a a certain level. What really does give me despair is that right now the LP is nowhere near where it needs to be. And the only other party that is even remotely capable of pushing back, which is the GOP is largely in cahoots with the left. There's a very small fraction of Republicans that are on our side or even close to resembling what we want. Right now, the best opposition party is largely going along to get along or is just passively getting by. That's what I hate the most. Who knows what's going to happen over the course of the next few years. I have no idea. I'm not going to make any predictions. All I'm going to say is I used to be completely black-billed. I'm not anymore, but I was a couple years ago. I now believe that there's a possibility things will get better. I will also agree things will probably get worse before they get better. My fear you, is – go ahead. Oh, sorry. I was just gonna, would, you, would you support throwing Fauci in jail, using the government to incarcerate doctors? I'm, I'm very pro-life, but I would say an argument could be made that Fauci – Fauci has forfeited his life, and I'd like to be the person that rams a stake through his ass. <laughs> I thought you'd say something to that effect, but like, I don't know. I'm like, if we, j- if we use the government, if we use the government to jail Fauci, so and that power could be used yeah, against so, us, right? So here's how, so here's what I'm going to say: is this, if and in such time that it's even on the table that bureaucrats and lawmakers will be held accountable for what they did. I think it's good. Or is it, it's good thing. I think we can safely say we're very much in control, and at that point, we're running shit. And I'll just leave it yeah, at that. Well, I'm in. But I don't think. So I, I don't think. Uh, we're, I don't think we're going to get there to that level in this lifetime, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, and I, I want to be respectful of, of y'all's time. I know we, we're probably up on our hour. Yeah, yeah a little bit I, over. I don't know if you guys want to. No, no, I appreciate yep. you both coming on. Uh, before we conclude the episode, I will give you each. I don't know, 20 seconds to give like a final uh, summary, uh, a closing uh, words of wisdom, whatever it is. And then after that, we'll like give you the chance to give your, 
I mean, hell, you're both banned off Twitter. <laughs> so I, I, I don't know what social media plugs or anything you're going to do like that or anything to promote. Maybe uh, in Dallas, you have a, a Libertarian Party Mises Caucus you want to promote or something like that. But All first, right, Brett, first, you go first, sir. Yeah, Brett, let's hear what you got. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't really have anything to promote. I mean, uh, I'm opinionated. I have a lot of thoughts. I think there are gaps in this debate, so that's why I'm here right now. You might be hearing from me more down the line, um, but as it currently stands, like you said, banned on Twitter. I don't have a YouTube channel or anything. So, um, you know, I, I do support the Mises Caucus and those guys. So I guess really my only um, parting message would be, like, we should be thinking directionally towards how do we get this, how do we actually move the needle in, in the real world? Right. Like that's my main overriding message. And that's why I'm sympathetic to the post libertarians, the new right, et cetera. Even though I don't agree with them on everything, I think they are taking the conversation in the right direction, even though I think they go too far. Um, and I think, uh, you know, keep name dropping Pete, but he uses a line, um, you know, uh, anarchist or libertarianism in our heads or whatever. And like, to the extent that libertarians are just satisfied marinating in the, our beautiful ideology and not concerned about, you know, bringing it into the real world. I think that's, we're going to continue to, to take L's. So I think we, we're good on the ideology. It's great. We need to start indexing more of our time um, towards figuring out how to get it done in the real world. Um, that's all. That's a fantastic segue for me to respond and just say that I 100% agree with the uh, I'm sympathetic to the frustration and the desperation. I would just say that that's the whole purpose of the Mises Caucus taking over the LP. Our whole point is to actually get the message out there to educate the masses, not just to say, hey, liberty is a great ideology, but to actually affect change. And uh, change doesn't happen quickly. Change sometimes takes a while. Um, I will say that we all have to be patient. Um, we've, um, I would say that uh, it's easy to get consumed by fear and desperation, and at times I have been myself, but I will also say that I think that uh, if you consider what's going on and uh, what's at play, uh, there's things that are changing right now as we speak. It may not be happening as fast as we want, but uh, believe me when I tell you that the Mises Caucus, the Libertarian Party, that's what we're doing it for. This isn't just about getting ideas out there. It's about getting ideas to affect change. That's why we promote very particular types of elections and policies to affect change, not just theory. And Heiss is a, a monster, so he's a lot of confidence. So. You're, you're a fan of Heiss? Yeah, yeah I, I think, I mean, basically following the, um, the what must be done strategy of, of taking over local governments and interposing he's, he's brilliant on that um I, I, yeah i mean it's i do have a couple minutes actually i'll ask uh before we wrap things up which i will do suddenly in just a a few minutes here brian you recently said you you you're not as big of a fan as of dave smith anymore that'd be an interesting quick topic <laughs> Are you you're you're trying to start shit now, i hate right? i last thing i want to do it last thing i want to do is stir shit up but uh, uh, and I'm interested in what the, Brett I has to say about that, actually. So here's here's my thoughts. I've been a pretty loyal listener to Dave Smith over the course of the last several years. Um, I wasn't original, but uh, I definitely came on around probably around 
2018 is it when I started listening to him. Um, here's my thing about Dave Smith. Yes, he's got a family. Yes, he's got a comedy tour going on. Is it possible he's distracted? I don't know. But his, a lot of what he's been saying for the last few months doesn't strike me with the passion, the fire, the energy that he has had before. He doesn't seem to be as convicted in the same measure. It's kind of like, honestly, the sort of theoretical response that Brett has spoken of seems to be a lot of where Dave Smith is coming from lately. Um, it lacks that enthusiasm and that conviction to call spades spades. Well, it's not even that. He still, he, he still says it like it is. But I can't remember the last time that I listened to an episode of his and thought to myself, wow, that really impacted me and made me think. It's like, yeah, you're telling me what I already agree with and what I already know, whatever. And that's not to say that he's wrong or that he's not smart. He's just not offering the insights and the hot takes that he used to. I don't know why that is. And I'm not even saying that it's necessarily he's doing anything wrong. It could be completely on my end, but I just don't find him to be as compelling as he previously was. He's not saying anything wrong. That's for sure. Real quick, Brett, do you have, do you have any thoughts on that? I mean, are you a fan of Dave Smith? Do you agree with with what Brian said? No, other than I just politely disagree. Um, I, I, I think David Smith is probably like the closest person like that. I, I've almost never disagreed with like 99.999% of the time. And he always takes like, he, he makes arguments in the way that I would make them. Um, and I think he has like that level of nuance, like on, on this topic, he's had conversations with Tho Bishop. He just had a debate with Curtis Yarvin where they, uh, I mean, Yarvin. That was you know, an he, absolutely he rambled out punishment. Yeah, that, that was rough. Uh, and he, he had his post-debate analysis where he, he um, admitted as much. It's tough to corral Yarvin when, he's, when, he's, when he gets off the, uh, the reservation. Yeah, but, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't know, tough crowd. I, I think well, I'll just say I, that, uh, I appreciate a lot of what you had to say today. Um, believe it or not, there was not that much uh, distance between us. I could definitely no. hear where you're coming from on most of the points you were making. Again, I sympathize with where people on the right and the post-libertarianism are coming from. They want change. They think that um, there's this assumption or desire for action, for something tangible. And I would just say that that just the kind of change that they're looking for just doesn't happen as quickly as they want it to. Rome was not built in a d- day. Um, I do believe that there is a very good argument to be made that we need to see something more tangible in terms of results before we're going to get more people to buy in. Mere slogans alone aren't going to do it. The problem is it just takes a while to build that. But as you're going to see, especially on Twitter and on social media, we're winning people over. We recently got uh, Iraqi veteran 8888 within the LP. He's a very big voice on the conservative side for guns. The more people come around to us and understand what we're all about, the more that they can buy in. On the political aspect for change, that's going to be a tough one. And I'm going to be honest with you. I... I think that there's a good argument to be made that things are going to definitely get and get worse before they get better. I'm just confident that they will get better and you just have to be prepared to make it through that rough 
period, whether it's going to be months, weeks, years, I don't know. I do believe things are going to get worse. I don't think <laughs> that the people within the ruling class are going to give up power very easily at all. And I do believe that there's going to be a fight on our hands, baby, whether it's literal or meta or metaphorical, I don't know, but they're not going to give up power willingly. They're not going to just agree to an, a lost election. So whatever happens, just be ready for it. And I will say that yep. if just like they took out JFK for talking shit about the CIA, the next time you get a strong leader and they're talking shit about, you know, who he's going to get rid of, you know, they've got power. They've got real power. They pretty much got rid of, they nullified Trump's presidency and got him out of there. That speaks volumes. And a lot of it is because a lot of people within the Republican Party are part of that group. So I agree with the sentiment that shit is rough and it's going to be hard and we can't rest on lofty rhetoric. I would just say that's not quite what we're doing. And I think Pete Quinones, to be quite honest with you, He's a salty bitch. I've uh, given him the benefit of the doubt many times because I think he's extremely smart and I think he's a good person in terms of reconciling cultural with uh, political issues. But uh, quite honestly, everything that I've come to know about that guy, he does not strike me as someone who is interested in solutions or interested in, you know, trying to find a better way. He seems like he's just the kind of person that likes to gripe and bitch and complain and point fingers. And that does nothing for me at all. In terms of Dave Smith, I will just like this just to reiterate, very smart guy, very capable guy. I love his positivity. I love his approach and thoughtfulness. I just kind of feel that his shows on average have just not had the conviction and the enthusiasm that they used to have is all I'm saying, okay. you know, could just be me. Maybe it's just me, the listener, but that's just kind of how I feel. Okay. Well, great stuff. Uh, Brett cook from Texas and Brian Fox, of course, from Kentucky guys. Thank you both very much for coming on. Thanks for having us. Thank you, gentlemen. I also want to thank everyone for tuning into the Kelly Patrick show. Of course, we will have another episode out soon. Mm-hmm.